This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime at our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. What we talked about last week was what do you expect? And this is what, what do you expect? Part two, the Mother's Day edition of this. You know, and uh, I was reading an article that I had come across some time back, and I know that moms would really encourage this because it's talking about a little boy. And I used to be a little boy, and I know my mom cared about me. So uh, it was talking about a, a man approached a little league baseball game one afternoon, and he asked the boy in the dugout what the score was. And the boy responded, 18 to nothing, we're behind. Boy, said the spectator, I'll bet you're discouraged. Why should I be discouraged, replied the little boy. We haven't even got up to bat yet. So he had a real good attitude, and he had great expectation. I'm talking about a radical hope. Hope is a confident expectation for the future, and this little guy had great expectations for the future of his game. They hadn't even got up there to bat yet. And I'm going to tell you something. As we look into God's Word, and we'll see some moms, and we'll see a lot of other principles and all shown forth in His Word, well, once we get a hold of those and get those in us, it's a game changer. It changes people's lives. It changes our prayer and makes it much more effective than we ever dreamed that was possible. So as we're looking to the future, I ask you that simple question again. What do you expect? What do you expect as we look to the future? You know, you think about that. Moms tend to have a great expectation for their little boys and their little girls. They really do. And I honor all of you moms, uh, you know, right now because you are special and you do expect great things for your children. And I want to say thank you because that helps them to fulfill their dreams and the goals that they have in life. It really does. And uh, we can learn from all the critters out there in the woods and, and all the ones that surround your house and wherever you see them. Listen what it says here in Psalms 104, verse 28 through 30. All the creatures look expectantly to you to give them their meals on time. Did you hear that? All the creatures. You know what? The creatures don't punch a clock. They don't get a paycheck at the end of the week. They don't go grocery shopping. They don't cook their food. But it says here, the psalmist says, all the creatures look expectantly. They're looking to God expectantly. What do they expect? They expect Almighty God to provide them food on time. Can we read that again? All the creatures look expectantly to you to give them their meals on time. You know, not, not only the, the big full-grown creatures, but the little baby creatures. <clears throat> when you think about it, and little birds, I'm already seeing little birds hatched out. You know, the robin shells, the little blue eggs on the ground, and off, and then little baby birds are just a chirping, saying, Mama, Mama. And the Mama goes out there, and the Lord provides her some earthworms, and she brings them back. But the Lord takes care of all the critters that he put here on the planet. So let's read that once again. 
All the creatures look expectantly to you to give them their meals on time. You come and they gather around. You open your hand and they eat from it. You open your hand and all the critters. They are expectant that their creator, whether they know as much about them as we do, I doubt that, but they expect him to feed them. And I think that's pretty powerful when you think about it. So what do you expect when you pray? Think about that for just a moment, you know, and, and remember the definition of expect really has to do with faith. In Hebrews 11, 1, it says, now faith is a substance. It's that something you can get a hold of. It's the title deed. Faith is a title deed of things hoped for. And when you're hoping for things, and you need to understand this, the, the world in which we live in have changed the definition of hope. And when people say, well, well, I hope my team wins or I hope it don't snow, because it did snow today. I hope it don't do this and I hope it does that. They're using me, well, there's a 50-50 chance. Well, I hope everything's going to go okay. But the definition in the Bible of hope is a confident expectation for the future. That's a completely different creature there. It genuinely is. So when we read about faith, it says faith is a substance of things that we expect. Things, hope, uh, faith is a substance of things hoped for. Definition of hope is a confident expectation. So faith is a substance of a confident expectation. That's what it is, and it changes things. So I'd like us to look at the Bible. This is where our foundation was when we begin to talk about what do you expect and think about this passage and how it relates to you. James chapter 1, verse 6. It says, but when you ask him... When you ask him for anything, for wisdom, for provisions, you know, for a car, for a shoes, for a husband, for a wife... For, for children, whatever you ask him for, he says. But when you ask him, be sure you really expect him to answer. Be really sure, positively. I'm talking about really expect him he's talking about here. Really expect him to answer you. Not just kind of halfway deal there, but really expect him to answer you. For a doubtful mind is as unsettled as a wave of the sea. A doubtful mind, that, that's spelled D-O-U-B-T, doubtful. And, and that's where you get a, the word a double mind. You think yes and you think no. You think maybe, you think possible, you think this, you think that. A doubtful mind is a double mind. And he tells us here, when you ask him, you know, make sure that you really expect him to answer. For a double a doubtful mind is unsettled as a wave, a wave of the sea. That is driven and tossed by the wind. People like that should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. He's talking about if you don't expect really to receive something from God, you're not going to receive it is what he's telling us. But mamas, you can't change their expectation. I am so thankful that mamas, my mama still believes in me. And she expects great things. Did when I was a little fella as well. Expecting you're going to grow up and make something out of your life. Expecting the best for you. And I just commend you mamas who have that confident expectation for the future for all of your children. It makes an eternal difference in their lives. It genuinely does. Psalm 31 verse 24 says, 
Be strong and let your hearts take courage. All you who wait for and confidently expect the Lord. All you who wait for and confidently expect the Lord to do whatever it is that he's promised to do. Like we've been planting a garden and it's been pretty amazing mm -hmm. getting all the stuff in there. But we genuinely, and we've only planted a few of the items and we've got other items once it stops snowing and stops getting mm -hmm. cold, you know, as it has been, we'll get all the other items in our garden. But we fully expect, now you may not like them, I mean, it don't matter because I do. I really like rutabagas. Oh, I expect to be eating some fresh rutabagas before you know it. And I expect to be eating some squash and some spaghetti squash and some butternut squash and some acorn squash, you know, some yellow squash. And, and I'm expecting, I'm really expecting, I really like beets. I do. And Susan does those beets so fantastic. I expect beets to be coming up in my yard, you know, before you know it. And carrots. I, Susan and Miracle planted carrots together, and I expect those things to be coming up. And, and out there eating and enjoying those and lettuce and onions, I expect Jerusalem artichokes. We had a good time planting those, didn't we? Yes, we and did. And they'll just keep multiplying, and they'll plant themselves every year. And it's just fantastic to know the kale. Kale was really good for you. I expect kale to be coming up. And, and beans and potatoes, they haven't gone in yet, but they're on their way to going in, you know, and broccoli and cucumbers and tomatoes and corn and other stuff. I expect to have just about all the vegetables you can have in a grocery store in my yard. I expect it. I genuinely do because I understand seed time and harvest. You plant something, it's going to grow. God set that into motion. He absolutely did. And you know something? Some people can't see that. They don't expect very much anything. When they go fishing, they don't expect to catch a fish. When they go hunting, they don't expect to harvest any game. When they do this or when they do that, they don't expect much out of life. You know, I got a pair of polarized sunglasses. And when I go fishing, I put those polarized sunglasses on and it cuts right through the glare of the water. And I go, look at those fish over there. And I go, oh, I got him. And they're going, I didn't see no fish. I see sunglasses, oh, glasses don't make no difference. I go, okay, it'll be that way. But the polarized sunglasses is like faith. Polarized sunglasses enables you to see the fish under the glare of the water. And faith allows you to see into the future and have confident expectation. I can see it right now. It's just right up there. It's coming my way. I can see it. A confident expectation for the future. So polarized glasses and faith have a lot in common. They allow you to see what a lot of other people just can't see. That's just the way life is, you know. Okay, let's look at uh, Luke, if we can. Luke chapter 1, verse 37. It says, And did you know that your cousin Elizabeth conceived a son, old as she is? Now, an angel received a message from God to go and talk to Mary, who was going to become the mama of Jesus. And the angel had showed up there when Mary was in a private place, and he began to talk to her. And this is what the angel delivering a message from God, said to Mary. Let's start that over again. And did you know that your cousin Elizabeth conceived a son, old as she is? Everyone called her barren, and here she is six months pregnant. Boy, she was expecting. You know, she was an older woman, and she was expecting six months pregnant, old as she was, 
you know, it was very obvious now. Her expectation has become very obvious in reality to everybody. That's right. Everyone called her barren, but here she is, six months pregnant. Nothing you, nothing you see is impossible with God. Now, hold on there. If you're going, like, well, I know some things that are impossible. Well, I need to give you some of my polarized glasses, or I need to give you some of faith that's found in the Bible. Because God says in his word, nothing, nothing. How many things is that when it says no thing? 100%. 100%. Ain't nothing on this planet impossible with God. What do you expect? You can have what you expect. When you're getting close to the almighty God and you're learning God's ways, that's just the truth of it. Nothing, you see, is impossible with God. No thing is impossible. And Mary said, yes, I see it all now. She said, I see it all now. Faith rose up within her, and although she was a virgin and she wasn't married as of yet, she sees it all now. And she's hearing God's word through this angel. She says, I see it all now. I'm the Lord's maid, ready to serve. Let it be with me just as you say. Then the angel left her. Wow. God had spoken to her through an angel, and she is now expecting a baby, you know, that will become the savior of the world. She's expecting a baby, and she's expecting this miracle. This is absolutely fantastic, although this miracle could bring a good little bit of uh, ridicule and judgment and criticism, could actually get her stoned to death because she's not married. And they would stone people who wasn't married, and they were having babies back in those days. And what's Joseph going to say when she tells Joseph? But God spoke to her and said, I'm sending my son, a Savior, into this world. And she said, I can see it all now. I see it. Let it be with me just as you say. Oh, man. Her uh, expectation soon enough became a reality as they went over there to Bethlehem and the baby Jesus was born, you know. And some will criticize you and me today when we believe in God, when we believe in miracles. Some may be critical of us today, but thank God for the mother, the mama of Jesus, for her tenacity and her willingness, you know, to expect, to become expectant with a child by the Holy Spirit and to expect the miracles to come forth from her as was prophesied about. So uh, there's a song, and maybe we'll try to sing a little piece of it. Maybe we'll read a little piece of it too. But it's a great song, and it goes like this. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. He will be my guide, hold me closely to his side. With love and strength for each new day, he will make a way. He will make a way. And I'm going to read the second verse. It says, by a roadway in the wilderness, he'll lead me. And rivers in the desert will I see. Heaven and earth will fade but his word will still remain. He will do 
something. What's that saying? New. He will do something new today. What are you expecting? Are you okay if God does something new in you? Listen to what it says here in Isaiah. Oh, a fantastic passage. We, me and our, uh, our Rudy group were discussing this this past week. And it says in Isaiah 43, verse 19, it says, For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? You know what? Mary said to the Lord, she said, I see it all right now. He began to do something new in her. If God wanted to do something new in you, in your attitude, in your life, in your uh, position, in your career, in your relationships, are you willing are you expecting God to be on the move and to do something new in your life every day? Every day? Is that okay with you? That's okay with me. I think it'd be fantastic. And then he goes on to say, I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. That's what God says. He specializes in the impossible. He really does. Let's move on to Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading. Now, hold on. This is a mother here. And uh, again, I just want to say we honor all you mothers. It is takes special grace and uh, strength, and God gives it, you know, to be a mother who's got that compassion and that expectation to raise your children and all the things you have to go through and oftentimes are not really appreciated by anybody lots of the times. But I appreciate you, and I know that God surely does. But it says here in verse 22, A Gentile woman, that means she was not Jewish, she was a Gentile woman who lived there, came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O she's Lord. Saying, don't give me what I deserve. When she says mercy, show compassion, show love, and don't give me what I deserve. But she said, have mercy on me, O Lord. Son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. Can't you imagine as a mama that that breaks her heart when her daughter is controlled by a demon and she don't act like normal people do she's possessed and she's being controlled by this demon and this mama is coming and asking Jesus for some help. Verse 23 But Jesus gave her no reply. Didn't answer her at all didn't look at her, didn't acknowledge that she was even there. Not even a word Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away they said. She's bothering us with all her begging. You hear that? Jesus and the disciples are not giving her the time of day, and she is coming with great expectation. What was she expecting? She was expecting Jesus to work a miracle for her daughter, and Jesus don't even answer her a word. The disciples said, send her away. She's bothering us with all this begging and carrying on. And then verse 24, Then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. And you need to understand that. Jesus, when he came to this earth and he was born, he came here to reach the Jewish people first. And then knowing once the Jewish people rejected him to the point of crucifying him, then the gospel would be going to the Gentiles. That means everybody else on the planet. But it had been prophesied it would come to 
God's children first, and once they had been rejected, then it would go to everybody. So Jesus was still breathing. He had not been totally rejected uh, by all the Jewish people as of yet. So he's telling her, no, the gospel comes to the Jewish people, God's people, first. And then later on, it can come to you. But she came and worshipped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. Can you hear in her voice there? They ignored her, and then Jesus said, I'm sorry. This is for the children, God's children first. And then she comes, and she's, she said, please, and she's pleading. She's thinking about her daughter. She's expecting something good to happen for her daughter and, and, and there's tears that are rising up in her heart and in her voice. And she's saying to him, she says, pleading again, she says, Lord, help me. Help me. Help me. Can you understand a mother's expectation, what she wants for her children? Lord, please help me, she's crying out. Jesus responded, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. How would you like Jesus to call you a dog? The gospel is not given to the Gentile people, so these blessings you're asking for are for the Gentile, for not for the Gentiles yet, it's for the Jewish people, God's people. And once it's been given to God's people and they reject it, then the gospel presentation will be sent to all the Gentiles, everybody else on the planet. And that was coming but it wasn't there as of yet. And he says it's not right to take the children's bread and to give it to the dogs. Now, a lot of people would have been insulted enough to say, well, heck with you, and just went away and just left in the condition they had come. But she replied, that's true, Lord. But even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. Can you hear the humility? She was expecting a miracle for her daughter. And the humility is there. She is determined. She is expecting for her daughter to be restored. And she is not going to be insulted. She is not going to be drifting away by any of those things that are hindering her right now. And she tells you, you're right, 100%. But I, I, I know dogs. And, and they get to eat the scraps that fall from their master's table. And all I need, Lord, is a scrap. And then we'll go on from here in verse 28. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. Now, you know what Jesus is doing right now? His disciples are still around, and he's over there saying, hey, boys, come over here. Here's a teachable moment. This woman's got something to teach us here. Listen to what she's saying. We ignored her. We called her a dog. We explained that we cannot give these blessings to her and her children as of yet. That's for later on. And it says here in verse 28, Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith Your is faith, your expectation, your confident expectation, because faith is the title deed. It's the substance of things hoped for. Hope is a confident expectation for the future. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. Your, your confident expectation of what I can do and will do for your daughter, it is absolutely phenomenal. And he's looking at his disciples, and they're over there going, oh, yeah, okay, I think, I think we're getting this. I think we're getting this right now. Let's read that again and go on. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. Your request is granted. It's granted because she didn't give up. She continued to expect. 
God to do what she knew he had the possibility, the ability to do. Jesus, I'm talking about here. She knew it, and Jesus said, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. Instantly. Didn't take a month or a week or even a day because of this woman. Mamas, I commend you for the expectations you have for your children. And there might be some trying times and some difficulties that rise up against you. But anybody can get a hold of this faith thing, this, this confident expectation to believe that God means what he says and will do what he says if you and I will expect it, if we will genuinely have confident expectations about it. Let's move on down here to Matthew chapter 9, verse 18. As Jesus was saying this, the leader of a synagogue came and knelt before him. A leader of a synagogue. This is one of the religious guys that everybody looks up to. A lot of these guys has kind of been against Jesus because Jesus is coming in and drawing people into himself, and they're leaving the old rituals of the synagogues to follow Jesus, who has got power and life to change them. But it says here, this man, this leader of the synagogue, he came and he humbled himself. He knelt down before Jesus. My daughter has just died, he said. He didn't say she was sick and, and that she could not. This religious leader, synagogue leader, he says, my daughter just died. But you can bring her back to life again if you just come and lay your hand on her. This man, I asked the question, what do you expect? He expected Jesus to heal his daughter. She wasn't sick. She was dead. But he expected Jesus to heal her because he had heard and he had seen some miracles that was going around through town of what Jesus had done and what Jesus could do. And all this man was asking is, hey, would you come and lay your hand on her and she'll come back to life again. Just come and do this. Let's pick up there in verse 19. So Jesus and his disciples got up and went with him. They went with the synagogue leader. They went with him. They walked together, but they got interrupted. Just then, a woman who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding came up behind him, and she touched the fringe of his robe. For she thought, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. This is what she expected. This woman, who very well may have been a mother, she came. Now, Jesus was going to see this girl who was dead, whose dad is a religious leader, the synagogue leader, who they're traveling together, and this woman with this issue of blood comes up and touches Jesus. The synagogue leader is still there with him, probably thinking, well, let's hurry. Let, let's get on to my daughter right now. But this woman, she's expecting. She said to herself, if I can just go touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. That's what she said to herself, and that's what she was expecting to happen. Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well. Your faith, your faith has made you well. Not my faith, not her faith or their faith, but your faith has made you well. Your confident expectation has made you well. Twelve years you've had this issue of blood and it's got worse and worse 
and you went to doctors and it got worse and worse and they took all of your money and you're, you're poor now and you're getting worse all the time and you said to yourself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll get well. And that's what she did. That's what she did. She expected it. And Jesus said, Daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was healed at that moment. At that moment, she was healed. She expected Jesus to do for her what she had heard that he was doing for others. And I'm going to tell you, God will do for you all that he has promised others he'll do for you. His, God, his word is, is from the almighty God, and his word will change our lives. And what he has promised is for us all. That's just the truth of it. Picking back up here in verse 23. When Jesus arrived at the official's home, he saw the noisy crowd and heard the funeral music. Get out, he told them. The girl isn't dead. She's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him. Can you imagine that? Here the, the uh, synagogue leader has brought Jesus back and all of his friends are there. They're bringing their casserole dishes and their meals for the funeral and all that kinds of stuff. And they're weeping and wailing. And back in those days, they paid extra people to come in and to cry and mourn because they thought that was a good thing. And Jesus said, hey, y'all just get out of here right now. You know, I, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with the dad, and we got some business to take care of. After the crowd was put outside, however, Jesus went in and took the girl by the hand, and she stood up. The report of this miracle swept through the entire countryside. Can you imagine? Jesus went in, took her by the hand, she got up, and she was healed. And she was dead. Why? Because daddy expected a miracle for his daughter, and he knew she was dead and he expected a miracle for her. And so Jesus came. They were delayed because Jesus ministered to another woman. But when he got there, he took her by the hand, lifted her up. She got up. And it talks about this miracle swept through the entire countryside. And, and, and can you imagine? Jesus is pretty tired because he's on the go all the time. He really is. But he will fulfill the expectation of us as parents, moms, dads. That's right. He will fulfill those expectations that are based on his word for our children. After Jesus left the girl's home, two blind men followed along beside, behind him, shouting, Son of David, have mercy on us. Don't give us what we deserve. Love us and show us your grace. Give us way beyond what we deserve. Please love us and, and be merciful toward us. They went right into the house where he was staying. And Jesus asked them, do you believe I can make you see? He's saying, do you expect that I can really do what you're asking me to do? Jesus is going back to his house, probably to sit down, get a bite to eat, maybe get a little bit of rest. He's fit on the go all day long. These two guys, you know, just followed right into the house. They couldn't see. They was following the noise. And Jesus, he asked them again, what did he ask them? Do you believe I can make you see? Yes, Lord, they told him, we do. Then he touched their eyes and said, because of your faith. Because of what you expect. Because of what you expect. Not what I or they or them, but what you expect. Because of what you expect. Because of your faith. 
That, that's the title deed, if you would, the substance of what you're hoping for. And hope is that confident expectation because of your confident expectation, what you're expecting. It will happen. Jesus said it will happen. He said it will happen. Then their eyes were opened and they could see. Jesus sternly warned them, don't tell anyone about this. But instead, they went out and spread his fame all over the region. He probably knew once they spread his fame, the door was going to be, you know, blocked with just so many people coming. He needed, you know, to, to get a little bit of rest maybe, get something to eat. And he had plans to go and do other things. But he knew the crowds was on their way. So he was asking them, hey, give me a little bit of time before you tell everybody. But they... Would you wait if you've been blind all your life and all of a sudden Jesus healed you? You probably couldn't hold it back either. You'd probably tell everybody going down the road what Jesus had done for you. When they left, a demon-possessed man who couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. So Jesus cast out the demon, and then the man began to speak. The crowds were amazed. Nothing like this has ever happened in Israel, they exclaimed. Has anything ever happened like that where you live in, in your lifetime? Have you seen miraculous things taking place? Well, they hadn't really seen much of that kind of stuff going on, but they're seeing it now. It's pretty amazing when you think about it. And as you and I go to the Bible, and let us look at John. Chapter 14, verse 12 says, I tell you the truth. And this is Jesus talking, and you would only expect him to tell the truth, wouldn't you? That's right. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me... Well, now, me, what percentage is anyone? 100%. I tell you the truth, anyone... Who believes in me will do the do same Do you believe work. in Jesus? I do believe in Jesus. He says, I do tell you, you I Jesus? do, 100%. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me... Will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. Jesus said... Anyone who believes in him will do the same kind of works that he did that nobody had ever seen happen before. And Jesus said even greater works because he's going to be with the Father. And you understand what that means. When he went with the, the Father, he sent the Holy Spirit. That's what he promised he would do, the Comforter, who would be another Comforter just like himself. And he would fill us with power. And he would give us the ability to continue to do the same kind of works he did, and even greater works. Read that again, just so they make sure they can see that. John 14, 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone, and that, that includes you moms. Sometimes moms think, well, I, I'm just a mom. You know, I'm just a, maybe you stay at home with your kids. I'm just a stay-at-home mom. But this is anyone who believes in me. And you're special. Will do the same works I have done. You can do those same works and even greater works. Because I am going to be with the Father, he said. That's amazing. Now, here's one of my favorite verses, and, and I would let Susan read it, but I'm just going to read it because I enjoy it. Is Go that right okay? Yep. And it says here in Romans 8, 15, in the message, it says, This resurrection life, the resurrection life that's been given unto us, that we're experiencing, this resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's not us, you know, going, thinking about Jesus, going down to the cemetery and, and saying our little prayers and feeling so sorry about things. He said resurrection life that we are accessing right now 
It, it, it's, it's from God, and it's not timid. It, it, it's not a grave-tending kind of lie. Jesus don't go down there to the cemetery. He is risen from the dead, and he is alive, and he goes on to say this resurrection life, it's adventurously, what's that word? Expectant. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? And we say that quite often when we're praying, like, what's next, Papa? We've been praying here and praying there, and God's worked some pretty awesome things, and people's gotten out of the hospitals, and they've got curative issues, that, and they've got their, their family saved, and God is on the move, and what he does for one, he'll do for all, and you can say it just as I am as you've accessed that resurrection life, and, and you, you become adventurously expectant, greeting God every morning with, what's next, Papa? What's next, Papa? And, and Susan and I like to sit on the edge of our chairs, on the edge of our seats. It's like, what's yeah. next, Papa? Oh, what you got in store next, Papa? That's what I'm talking about. Psalm 119, verse 131 says, I pant with expectations, longing for your commands. I pant. I'm out of breath. Either due to exertion or due to excitement. Says, I'm, I'm panting, I'm out of breath due to the excitement. I pant with expectation, longing for your what? Commands. Your commands, your, your, your promises, your words. I'm longing, I'm expecting those commands because they're full of living power. Let, let, let's go ahead and read that again in the Message Bible. Every word you give me is a miracle word. Did you hear that? The psalmist is saying to God, he says, every word you give me is a miracle word. The New Testament says it's full of living power. Every word you give me, that's why he said, I'm expecting, I'm expecting, I'm longing for your commands because they're full of miracles. Let me switch places with you just a second, dear. Get over here to my bag. I'm going to move your water right over there. And move my water over there, my glasses there, and what I've got here in my bag, what do those look like? Rocks. They look like rocks. You see that? Yep. Now, you've got to imagine this is about the size of a massive lake. And when you throw a rock in there, a ripple goes out and reaches the other side of the lake. And those ripples just keep on going ever so small. They'll just crawl across that lake and they'll touch the, foreign, the, the opposite shore there. And we need to understand when we do things, when we do works, and when we speak words, when we speak miracle words, words that are filled with living power, you know, we're speaking, as the Bible says, words of life. Words of life, and they have a ripple effect, and they touch this man and, and his wife and their kids and their neighbors, and then they touch other neighbors and other people's kids, and, and, and the ripple effect of the words and the works that we do, miracle words, we speak life, and it just keeps traveling like the ripples of throwing a, a stone into a, a lake out there is what I'm talking about. So let's read that one more time. Every word you give me is a miracle word. Every word God gives us is a miracle word. Let's get a hold of the miracle words. Get them in our heart. Get them in our mind. Speak them and pray those things and expect that these miracle words will produce miracles is what I'm talking about. 
How could I but help to obey? Break open your words. Let the light shine out. Okay, hold on just a second. He says, break open your words. Break open your words. And let the light shine out. Break open your words. You know what? You break them open and you let the light shine out. When you and I get a hold of the word and we take it to heart, just as this verse is talking about, break open your words in my life and let the light shine out. They're full of living power. And you and I, mamas, you know, I'm telling you, when you speak, you're, you're causing ripples to impact your children and other people's children and other neighbors and all. And, and as God breaks, just like us breaking bread at a meal time, as God breaks that, that living bread, that, that word of God, and the light shines out, and, and it has this ripple effect. It touches other people and brings light to those who are in darkness, and it just keeps on going and going and going. Would you read that part again? Break open your words, let the light shine out, let ordinary people see the meaning. What kind of people? Ordinary people, like you and like me. Ordinary people! And I might be a little bit less than ordinary, to be honest with you. But it says, let ordinary people see the meaning. Mouth open and panting. Out of breath because of the excitement of what God's doing. Because God is on the move. And he is changing people's lives. And in this time especially, he tells us in his word, those who are believers in the book of Mark chapter 16, they can go and lay their hands on the sick and they'll recover. He's telling us miracles are not outdated and you can pray for people even if you can't get to them and lay your hand on them. We can pray one for another in times like this. And God hears those things and you, you break the word open. You pray the word. You speak the word. You speak life and the ripple effect, how it touches so many other people. It's just absolutely amazing. It really is. So let's look at that one more time. Oh, here, let's read that where it talks about the ordinary people again, talking about me. Let ordinary people see the meaning. I wanted your commands more than anything. I wanted your commands. Do you want the commands of Almighty God more than anything else? Or do we let anything else distract us from reading God's word and his commands? Do we let all kinds of other things take first place and we never have the time to read or hear them taught? God's word, but I'm telling you, these are miracle words. They're full of living power, and they change people. Mamas, how many times have I heard about the mamas who prayed for their sons and their daughters, and in time, their sons and their daughters came back, and they apologized, and they said, Mama, what you taught me and what you trained me in, it's always been there with me, and it brought about a transformation, a conversion, a transformation in life. It's just amazing. It really is. So let's read that once more, and then we're going to move on. I pant with expectations, longing for your commands. With expectation, longing for God's word, his commands. Break them open, those miracle words. Break them open and let the light shine out what he's talking about. Romans chapter 3, verse 30. There is only one God, and there is only one way of being accepted by him. He makes people right with himself only by faith. Only by faith. Only by having a confident expectation 
that Jesus did die for us and a confident expectation that Jesus did raise from the dead and a confident expectation that he wants to forgive us and will forgive us if we'll receive it. And he's talking about that's the only way we can get right with God. And it's by faith, by having a confident expectation, believing what God has promised he's going to do and then believing that what he did do actually happened and it brings about a transformation in our life. Let's go on in the book of Acts here. Chapter 3, verse 1. One day at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Peter and John were on their way into the temple for prayer meeting. At the same time, there was a man crippled from birth being carried up. Every day he was set down at the temple gate, the one named Beautiful, to beg from those going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple... He asked for a handout. And that's his common everyday practice since he can remember his parents, friends would take him to the temple gate because uh, religious people were a lot more generous than the non-religious people in that case. And he sat there all day long to try to earn a living because he couldn't work because he was lame. And people would give him a coin here or there every day or two or once a week or whatever. And he was able to somewhat survive by begging for substance. And here it tells us that Peter and John, they're going to a prayer meeting, and there's this guy, he's asking for a handout. Peter, with John at his side, looked him straight in the eye and said, Look here. Look here, he said. Look here a minute. I got your... Look over here. He looked up, expecting to get something from them. Aha! And that was the key to what we're just going about to read and share with you because the man who was begging, Peter and John said, look at us. Looked him straight in the eye and said, you look at us. Look, look at us. And it said the man looked over at him because he was expecting. He was expecting to receive something from them. And you and I, when we go to God, we need to go to him with expectation. Like a lot of the mamas in the Bible, when they went to God on behalf of their children, they expected God to work some miracles and make some provision for them. So it says here, Expecting to get something from them. And Peter said, I don't have a nickel to my name, but what I do have, I give you. Don't have a nickel, don't have a dollar, don't have no silver, don't have no gold. We don't have any financial act, you know, uh, coinage or, or paper of any kind. He says, but what I have, and he didn't know what he might have had, what I have, I'll give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. In the name of Jesus, who has risen from the dead, he overcame the powers of death, and he rose from the dead. And, and he is saying, in the name of Jesus, who was crucified and buried, who is risen from the dead, I'm telling you now, get up and walk, is what uh, Peter told him. It was pretty miraculous, if you would. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. He grabbed him by the hand, the right hand, and pulled him up. Peter was expecting a miracle for this man, and this man didn't know what he was expecting, but whatever it was, he wanted it. He wanted everything that Peter was offering him there, so he was a man full of expectation. Peter grabbed him by the right hand and pulled him up. And in an instant, his feet and ankles became firm. He jumped up to his feet and walked. And the Bible tells us that he went on uh, inside the uh, synagogue there, inside the temple there, 
and he was walking, he was running, he was leafing, he was praising God. He got everybody's attention. What in the world's going on? And we know that he's been out there for years and years and years begging, what's going on here? What has happened? He is healed now. Well, my question to you is a lame man was expecting to receive something. What are you expecting from Almighty God? Mamas, what are you expecting for your children, for your family? I'm telling you, there are miracle words that are available to you, and you can expect greatly and see transformation. The same works that Christ did can take place because of you. I'm telling you, what are you expecting? Let's begin to pray and expect God to do and to be everything that he said he is going to do. That's right. Do you want to see your loved ones saved? Do you want to see your loved ones come to know Christ as their Savior? Then expect it. Expect it. Expect it. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> is anybody there? You, you want to see your family members come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? You want some blessings on them that they don't have right now? Expect it. Pray about it and expect it. Don't waste time just in gloom, despair, and agony on me, but expect it because confident expectation, that's what moves mountains. Confident expectation is what has miracle working power. And Jesus has already spoke to several people as we've been reading it this day where he says, because of your faith, because your confident expectation, this miracle has happened. That miracle has happened. That miracle has happened because of your confident expectation. That's what he's talking about. And we see in the book of Acts several incidences where there were believers and they were expectant that their family members would come to know Christ as well. Lydia was one. She was a, a, a woman who sold purple cloth, purple material, and she was baptized along with her whole household. She was expectant that her family and her whole household would be saved, and they were, and they got baptized right along with her. The Philippian jailer, there was Paul and Silas. They were in the jail, and they had been uh, beaten very uh, badly, and they were in the jail, and at midnight they began to sing, and they began to worship God, and there was a mighty earthquake, and all of their chains and their the things that bound them fell off, and the, all of the prison doors flew open, and the jailer, he came in because he was ready to take his life. He drew his sword and was ready to take his own life because he thought all the prisoners had escaped. And then when he saw that they were all there, he said to them, what must I do to be saved? And Peter and si Paul and Silas said to him, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved and, and your, your household. household. They told him to have that expectation that if he believed that not only would he be saved, but also his household. And moms... That should be our expectation. We That's should right. believe that not only do we believe, not only are we saved, but that God is going to save our households as well. And Paul and Silas, they preached to everyone in this jailer's household, and sure enough, they were all saved, every one of them, and they were baptized. The jailer was filled with great joy because he believed the, in the Lord, and so did his entire household. 
And what joy fills our hearts when we see those expectations come to pass, when we believe that our households will be saved, and one by one you may see those household members, those family members, your loved ones, come to know Christ as their Savior. And again, in Acts, there was a man by the name of Crispus. He, again, was a synagogue leader, just like the, the one whose daughter was raised from the dead. He believed, and his entire household expect that your entire household will be saved, that they will come to know Christ. Proverbs 22, verse 6 tells us something else to expect as moms. It says, direct your children into the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. As you are raising up your little ones, as you are teaching God's word to them, as you are pouring into them and speaking words of life, those miracle words... It says here that as you train up your children in God's ways when they're older, they will not leave it. That's something that you can expect. You can expect it. Another is in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 13. It says, all your children shall be taught by the Lord. What a great expectation. All of your children will be taught by the Lord. And great shall be the peace of your children. Of your children. What an awesome prayer to pray over our children that they would have peace. Sometimes our children don't have peace for one reason or another, but this is something that we can expect, that all of our children shall be taught by the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children. You know, I was thinking about expecting and I was thinking about when we go out in the mornings and we're praying and expecting. And often when we're out there, we thank God that it's a new day, and that with this new day, that his mercies are new every morning. And we are literally sitting on the edge of our seats. Yes, we are. For each new day, expecting what God would have in store to us and for us. And moms, that's what God wants you to do. But not only for us, but for our children and for our children's children and for our children's children's children. It goes from generation to generation to generation. What's God going to do in your life today? Mm. You know, when we're growing up, so many times we're self-focused. We're pretty much thinking about ourselves. We're dreaming about our future. You know, we're expecting about high school. We're expecting about college. We're expecting about what am I going to be when I grow up? We're expecting who am I going to marry? We're thinking and dreaming and expecting for ourselves. We're sitting on the edge of our seats, but it's pretty much all self-focused about what lays ahead in our futures. And then we find someone to dream with and when we get married. And then we sit on the edge of our seats together and we're expecting what is it, what does God have in store for us? What lays ahead for us? And, and then oftentimes people start having children after they've been married for a little bit. And then expecting comes to a whole nother level. Because a mama, when she's going to have a baby, she's expecting. That's what we call it. She's expecting a baby. And then your expectations and your expecting multiplies. You are not only expecting for just you and your your husband now. You're not just sitting on the edge of your seats wondering what God has in store for the two of you. But now there's somebody else going to be involved. And that's your child. And then you begin expecting for your children. And there's more good things to expect. And there's more 
to expect good things for. There's more children. And then grandkids come and it multiplies. You're expecting for them. And, and even great-grandkids. And it continues on and on. God has called us moms to a life of expecting. And women, God has called you to a life of expecting also, whether you're a mom or not. He has called you to expect good things for other people. He has called you to expect good things for yourself, yes, but also for others, that you can pour into the lives of others. You can pour into the lives of your nieces. You can pour into the lives of your nephews. You can pour into the lives of your neighbor's kids. You can pour into the lives of your friends and your family members and expect great things for, from God for them. So what are you expecting? Think about that. There was a very good friend of mine. He was a pastor friend of mine. His name was Mike Lewis. He used to come up here many, many years ago. He came up here often. He preached right from this pulpit to our congregation. And uh, he was also over a ministry that was so powerful in setting people free from all kinds of addictions. So powerful this ministry was, the secular organizations contacted him and they were trying to find out what his secret was because their, their percentages was about 3 to 4% success rate of someone who had addictions when they came to their organization. But they also had about a 3% success rate if they didn't go get help from nobody. But his success rate was about 90, 95% success rate in getting people free from addiction. And freedom was only, uh, use that term freedom from it, they were set free from it if they would stay clear, clean for five years. And so they had secular people come and say, can we interview, can we research, and can we evaluate everything that you do and determine what it is that you're doing that maybe we can learn from and apply it? And they came back, a secular organization came back to him and says, we have found the success. The, we found the secret to your cure. And it's true, you, you got a 95% cure rate of all these addictions. It is true. And they're free for at least five years. It's true. And the only thing that they could determine that was different from all the secular, uh, you know, addiction uh, ministries or organizations was what they came to call the Jesus factor. And it was the Jesus factor that brought about the transformation. And then Mike told me, he said, you know, when I was a young man, I didn't know Jesus at all. And I don't even know if he had a daddy or not. But he had a mama who was a strong Christian. And as he got older and older and could drive and all, he would go out and he was partying, living a very, very dark lifestyle. And every night when he'd come in later and later and later, he'd come in the door, close the door, put his jacket on the coat rack over there, turn around, there was mama. And he'd look at her and he was just so guilty in his own heart. And she was just loving him and smiling, wanting to know if he wanted something to drink or something to eat. He said, what are you looking at? And she would say, I'm looking at a preacher, Mike. I'm looking at a preacher. And he said his mama had a hold of hope. And see, hope is a confident expectation of the future. And hope, expectation, always produces a picture on the movie screen of your mind. Always. When you start praying for someone, you don't look at them sick no more. You visualize them. You see them well. She was looking at Mike and says, I see a preacher, Mike. I'm looking at a preacher. And she told him that every time he said, what are you looking at, mama? What are you looking at, woman? I'm looking at a preacher, Mike. 
I'm looking at a preacher, and he told me that story up here, and he was a full-time preacher, and he was running a ministry that was setting people free from all kinds of addictions because of Jesus. And I'm telling you, it's important that we get a picture on the movie screen of our mind of what it is we're believing for. Faith moves mountains. Faith is, is uh, the title deed of what we're confidently expecting. So you've got to be expecting God to do something, and when you begin to expect it, you can see it on the movie screen of your mind what you're expecting God to do. And I want to challenge you mamas, keep expecting for your children. Keep expecting for your family. In times when we have this coronavirus all over the whole planet, keep expecting God to be on the move and God to do all the things that he said he would do. And what we would like to do, you can go ahead and speak, but then we want to pray for all the mamas before we let you go. I just want to encourage you moms too, don't let the regrets of your past, maybe you, weren't, you haven't been expecting good things for your kids. Maybe you haven't been that great of a mom, you know, but don't let the regrets of your past hinder you from the expectations of your future. Change now. Begin to expect great things from God. Ask God to forgive you for your path, from your past and then move forward and expect great things from God. Well, Papa God, we lift up all the moms out there and those women who can't be a mom who just got the heart of a mom. Yes. And those who are single who just got the heart of a mom, they just mother other people and, and young people and nieces and nephews and neighbors. We ask that you would bless them and that you would encourage them, almighty God. And may they release those words to break that promise open to where the light shines out, that they would begin to access that miracle word, those miracle words. They'd begin to speak life, not only on all the people around them, but they'd begin to speak life about them own selves, expecting that the best is yet to come. Yes. Almighty God, just as we were throwing stones in this old bucket of water here, watching the ripples go, Lord, just bless these women, yes. these mamas, wherever they might be, all the way down to the little girls, and may they recognize that the little actions that they do and the little words that they speak are sending ripples that's going to go across the world and touch other people in ways that they'll never dream until we get to heaven one day and see how far that ripple actually went. Bless these women. Yes. We thank you for them. We honor those yes. who are mamas and who have the heart of a mother. We, we honor motherhood. And, Lord, we just thank you for the promises that you've given us. And before we close, we just want to ask you if you would join us. Maybe you're a mama. Maybe you're a daddy. Maybe you're, you're a young man or a, a, a young girl. Wherever you are, if you've accepted Christ and maybe turned away, it don't matter. If you've never known Christ, it don't matter. But would you join me right now? And would you expect, along with me, I'm going to pray for you and with you, would you expect God to forgive all your sins? Would you expect him to cleanse you and give you peace on the inside and that he'd lead and guide your life and you'd make an eternal difference and you would be happy and satisfied with what he's doing in you? Would you pray with me? Just pray out loud wherever you're at, if you're by yourself. If you're a little awkward because other people are around, you can just pray silently. That's all right. But I want you to pray fully expecting that God's going to answer this prayer. Pray along with me right now. Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. I believe that you love me. I believe that you love me. That's why you sent your son Jesus. That's why you sent your son Jesus. 
I believe he gave his life for me. I believe he gave his life for me. And paid for all my sins. And paid for all my sins. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And now he's knocking at the door of my heart. And now he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door. And I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus. And I welcome Jesus. Into my life. Into my life. As my Savior. As my Savior. As my Lord. As my Lord. And as my King. As my King. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.